Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota. Welcome back, everybody. This is it. This is the series wrap-up for Mystery Minnesota. My very first foray, I guess you could say, into the world of writing an original fiction piece, producing, creating, performing, all of it. This, I guess you'd say, audio fiction, this slightly dark fiction tale that I dreamt up out of the blue one day. I had an idea. But it wasn't out of nowhere. It was uh, based with a lot of different family stories and folklore over the years, as we're going to hear today. And we're at the point now where we need to do a bit of a series wrap-up. Now, I thought about, initially, my plan was to spend some time talking a little bit about all of the original stories that inspired the stories within Mystery Minnesota as a fictional series that I wrote for you guys here. The series you guys have spent the last year, roughly, I think, right, almost exactly a year, um, listening to and enjoying and hopefully enjoying and taking in and following me along on this experiment. Now, I do want to say right off the bat, this is the series wrap-up for the Mystery Minnesota series here on AIC Stories. However, this is not the end of AIC Stories. Don't worry. We'll have a lot of great new content. We're just going to pivot away from the Mystery Minnesota original fiction series and go back to doing some of the other fun storytelling things that I wanted to 
find a way to tackle and, and get into as we as we move forward. So there's going to be a lot more coming, a lot of great stuff coming up, and I hope you guys stick around for that. In the meantime, however, I thought since we're going to do this series wrap-up and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, kind of the brief snippets of real family folklore and stories that took place over the course of my life and before I was born and things like that, all of these family stories that have been, I don't know, shared and passed down from generation to generation, instead of me telling you about those, I thought it'd be really cool to bring in somebody who was a huge inspiration for me, somebody who, let's face it, this is primarily where I heard all of these tales. So I brought my phone and my little portable microphone, a little USB mic I use with my phone now and then, set up in my dad's garage, and him and I sat down and had a chat. Not so much a chat, I kind of let him know what I was looking for and had him tell us those original stories. So what I'm going to do is you're going to hear a little mix of, of audio where I'm going to set up each part of the story, each one of the family history, folklore, whatever you want to call it, that has inspired a different part of Mystery Minnesota, the series that you just finished listening to. And then I've got my dad set up. We'll bring his track in, and he's going to tell us the actual story, what's behind it, and his knowledge of it and and experience with some of these different things. Now, a, a warning, you will hear a little bit of a difference in audio quality when it comes to the microphone he's using versus what I'm using here. It's to be expected. Don't let that turn you off. I thought this was a lot of fun and I, I really appreciate my dad being willing to do this because let's face it, when someone sticks a microphone in your face and says, okay, tell me the stories, it's not the most comfortable thing, I'm sure, and it's it's always a little awkward, you know, to have your son doing this thing and, and asking you all these questions and everything else and then having to dump in, jump in and, and feel natural doing it. So huge thank you to him for doing that, and I hope you guys enjoy this look at a bit of a series wrap-up. So you can see behind the curtain the number of different family folklore and, and stories that have been passed down. Some of them happening more recently than others, but I'll fill in the blanks a little bit and set each one up, and then we'll let him tell us what the real stories were behind the fictional dramatizations, I guess you could say, that I've crafted for you here with Mystery Minnesota. Now, Mystery Minnesota, the series, started out with a tale called The Legend of Old Zeke. This is a tale that has been passed down in my family for generation after generation. And when I thought of creating this series, this was the tale. This was the one story that I knew right off the bat before I thought of any of the other ones and before talking to my dad and, and he kind of filled me in on some other cool stories that I had forgotten about. The Legend of Old Zeke was the one where I knew I wanted to start because this one is something just about every member of my family can at least reference or bring up the reference because every one of us has heard some little bit of a story, little little variation of this story, and I thought this was a great place to start. As you'll hear, there's not a lot to this story, the actual story that's been passed down through our family and everything else. So I did what I do and I made my own story, but I'm not going to get into that. Let's hear from my dad what the legend of old Zeke is all about. 
Old Zeke was a story from that I remember as a little kid, probably three, four years old, first time I heard it. It was always when the fog came in the evening, especially in the summertime towards fall, and, oh, don't go out there, old Zeke will get you. And, <laughs> little kid, I was terrified for my life to go out there. You know, you're little, you don't. But I think it was more, us kids were smaller and we liked playing outside. And I think it was more to get us in back in the house. But I don't, from what I understand it, you know, it could have come from old Norwegian tales too, same type of thing. But, you know, they just adapted for here. But, yeah, I was terrified as a child of that. But then when you get older, you realize <laughs> there's no old Zeke. So do you believe it? That's the real question. No, it's a, it's a good story, but <laughs> it's it's funny. You know, little kids get a big, they kind of look at the fog then and kind of wonder themselves when they're little. When they get older, they don't, but, you know, <laughs> good story. So the second story in Mystery Minnesota takes place in season two, revolving around Roger and Jimmy Pitsy and the monster that I dubbed as Peppermint. Now, this peppermint element, the smell, as you'll hear, isn't present in the real life story. In fact, all of this was inspired by one very quick, relatively quick event that my dad and my grandfather were a part of or witnessed or however you want to say it. Uh, He'll tell you about it here in a second. But this all revolves around a story featuring some mysterious black fur that my dad and grandfather had found in our old hunting shack. So let's hear the story behind Peppermint, the the invisible monster that kills Jimmy Pitsy and nearly kills our narrator of Mystery Minnesota. The black fur was, uh, oh, I don't know, I must have been. That was, I suppose I was around 30 years old or so. And I was with my my dad up by the hunting shack there, and uh, it was summertime, and we were uh, up there. I forget what we were doing up there, but uh, we were outside, and inside we heard a heck of a growling, snarling, just terrible. We thought maybe a bear cub or something had got in there, but. Uh, then we quit hearing anything, so I went and got the keys for it and unlocked it, and there was nothing in there. All that was was fur all over everything, like a, almost like a dog fur, but there's no way a dog could have got in there. And I filled up a black garbage bag full of that hair, and I have no idea to this day what that was, or kind of had me creeped out for a while. I didn't want to go up there, but. Uh, Nothing since then has ever happened, so who knows? I, don't, I still don't know where it came from because there was nothing in there a couple days before when I was in there and it was there then, no, all that black fur. My dad couldn't explain it, he didn't know either, so who knows where it came from and what caused it. Mystery. All right, the next story element that we hear about after Peppermint and after the legend of old Zeke is 
what ends up turning into the actual Mystery Minnesota place. This is where I believe I named the character Walter um, is in the psychiatric ward of the hospital and he claims to have seen this valley full of all these old cars and that comes into play again also near the finale of uh, the final episode or two um, when when our narrator and his brother find this valley with Joni Faustin and it all stems from a story that my grandfather shared with my dad about some old cars in the woods kind of goes like this my dad told me he was hunting and he was up north of here on a road and a dirt road and he found a likely spot, went in hunting and way in there he found a car. I believe it was a 57 Chevrolet. But there's no roads into it, there's, it's always mature timber so, but it must have been cut in my, oh, I believe at one time in order for a car to get in there, otherwise how's it going to get there? But. Um, I looked for it later, I couldn't find it. And you were there, you looked at it, we, we never found it. And I think I was in there one other time by myself too and I never found it, so I don't know <laughs> what what could have, where it could have went, but you could miss that and know it's too. But I'd like to go in there now that they cut it off again and see if I could find that spot. Who knows, never found it after that. Someday, maybe we'll find that old car that spurred all of that in, in the location, I guess you could say, of Mystery Minnesota. Like you said, they've cut everything off again, so now is kind of the perfect time to go tromping around the woods to see what we can find. But anyways, the story from there moves into more of Season 3, and I know Season 3 has a lot coming at you kind of fast and heavy, and there's a, a few different elements of family stories here that I decided I wanted to blend together with a few different characters and this uh, kind of starts with the Selfridges, Arnie and Maggie Selfridge. Now they start their tale by, by telling our narrator and his brother all about this wild story when at their beautiful little lake home here, picturesque on the side of a, a small lake here in Minnesota, which is a fictional lake as I mentioned before, um, but right after they built their home many years ago they had a strange encounter with a UFO that uh, appeared, showed up in, well, you know how the story goes from there. Now that story was inspired by a tale I remember hearing as a kid, uh, maybe maybe not a young, young kid, maybe more of a teen, I, I can't remember when exactly, but it revolved around my uncle and my grandfather seeing a mysterious sighting over the family property that uh, seemed to kind of hover and, and do its thing. Well, as I've said before, I'll let my dad tell you how that went, but this is the story behind the UFO that the Selfridges found at their lake home. UFOs, I didn't really see it. My, my brother Mike and my dad did, and they still maintain, because uh, it would go up and down, back and forth, rolling around and uh, just change directions and in an instant and you zip on and back and so I, who knows, lots of people have seen things and um, they still stood by that all these years so who knows what that could have been. There's a, you know, especially now with more stories coming out about UFOs and who knows. 
probably minerals. <laughs> All right, so from there the story goes into the rest of the Arnie and Maggie Selfridge part of the story where there's this foul stench, this foulness about the land. Something has caused the land to become barren, essentially. And that's when we find out about the story when something invisible had jumped on Arnie's back as he was fixing the well, all of that stuff. Now, this is a story that originally I had completely forgotten about. I remember hearing it once or twice in part as a kid, never heard the full story until I was about halfway through, I don't know, I think I was about halfway through writing season two, or maybe just finishing writing season two, and I was talking to my dad about it and where the story is going and, you know, progress, and he, he you know, liked to, liked to get the updates on, on what I was doing with it, and um, he mentioned this story that he goes, hey, I, I, have you ever thought about adding this one in? And I said, I, I don't remember that one. What is it? And as soon as he told me, the hair on the back of my neck stood up and I immediately thought, yes, this will work. I'm going to tie this to the UFO story. I don't know why. I just had this, this weird thought in my head that the two would kind of play nicely together, even though I understand when I wrote the story, it's one of those things that never really pays off in terms of what did the UFO have to do with the creatures that the Selfridges run into and eventually our narrator and his brother? That's mistake of a rookie writer, let's call it that. Who knows, maybe that story or, or that explanation will pop up in a future story, but we'll see on that, no promises. But this story about the, the invisible creatures choking Arnie Selfridge, choking the narrator's brother, this is the real story that I knew right away this was going to be the centerpiece that launched us right into the final few episodes because I thought this will work just perfectly. So let's hear the story about the invisible creatures choking and Arnie and Maggie Selfridge and where that came from. My dad and my mom, before I was, I think it was before I was born, they were just dating. and. They were out here uh, by the old hunting shack up there. Uh, it was where my dad grew up during the Depression. We used it for a hunting shack now. He, uh, him and my mom were up there. He said all summer, uh, it was just dead around that house. The grass wouldn't even grow. Uh, trees just looked sick and uh, it, it was just bad. He said there was a foul smell there most of the time. And one night, that one afternoon, they came out and they were looking around the house and he, he uh, they, well, they both told me, they heard a chattering sound, kind of it sounded almost like a squirrel, but not quite. And it got real cold in there and something jumped on his neck. He said it felt about the size of a monkey, but it was choking. And they got finally got out of the house and into the car. And I think my mom drove, she didn't have a license. And, um, they got down the road about a mile and it left. And he always maintained it. He should have stayed. He says maybe he could have got the see. He couldn't see it, but there was something there. And he thought if he stayed, he might have been able to see what it was. But uh, And then 
a few years later, he was relating this story, or my mom was actually to her dad, who lived in Bear River, and he couldn't believe it. He says uh, the same thing happened to him when he was a young man. He lived by himself, then, and happened in his house, and it. Uh, he didn't leave though. He stayed there, but it it choked him out. He passed out, and he woke up the next day, and there was nothing there, and he never had an incident like that before, but he said it was the same exact feeling on his back, like a small animal, and choked him, and he passed out from it, and he woke up the next day, but, you know, what are the odds? Two people didn't even know each other, and the same thing happened to him, and, you know, these ain't guys that lie, so. <laughs> now, you said you had heard that same story somewhere else after the fact, right? I heard that years later on Coast to Coast with George Norrie. Uh, a guy came on there. I used to listen to that when I worked night shifts all the time, help pass time. And um, that guy came on there and he told almost identical story that happened to him. But I think uh, he got choked out too before he could see anything. So really weird. <laughs> Never know. You believe it? I believe it. Sure. They, they weren't people that would lie. And uh, being as all three different people, my dad, my grandfather, and this other guy, and George Norrie, the same story, you know, before they even knew each other or anything. And, you know, of course, the guy close, close to him, nobody ever met him. So, you know, what's the odds? Right. Definitely something fishy going on there, I guess you could say. Very, like I said, that story just always sticks with me since he told it to me again when I was writing this. Just makes the hair on my neck stand up. Now, the final story, the final puzzle piece to Mystery Minnesota was the character of Joni Faustin. Now, this character, as you'll find out, is based on a long-standing family story from my dad's aunt, so I think that makes my great aunt, I forget how those relations go, but she had a story that went on for years that involved astral projection. Now, my aunt, very sweet woman, uh, she had passed years ago when I was very young, so I never heard these stories firsthand. Um, I think I was around the ages of like 11 to 13 somewhere in there. I remember her growing up. I remember a lot of different things about her from hunting camps and things like that But I wasn't quite old enough to hear these stories Now she had a story that she had passed on to my dad and, and others in the family uh, This was my grandpa's sister actually and um, This story is one that always fascinates me and makes me wonder just what is possible. So let's hear about my Aunt Alice and her story. My Aunt Alice and her astral projecting. Um, I had heard about that before, but, uh, you know, astral projecting and things, but I never believed it. But, um, when she was younger, my grandmother worked for Great Northern Railroad. And my Aunt Alice, uh, would work, I think she worked in the mines that time, it was probably during the war, and she used to practice relaxing in the afternoon, same time, every day in the afternoon, and she would 
start relaxing all her little toes and all the way up her feet, all the way up top of her head. And after a couple months of this, she'd leave her body. She could see herself laying there and she'd leave her body. And she found that if she wanted to go someplace, she would just be there. And she thought she was dreaming at first, but then she wanted to go to, my grandmother worked for the railroad, let's say, and she worked in a cook car. And my aunt would go there and she'd see who she talked to, what they talked about. And um, then when my grandmother came home on the weekend, she'd tell her, you know, did you see this person? Did you, you know, and tell her what the conversation was? My grandma thought it was <laughs> crazy. She says, how could you know that? You know, and, but she did. And then uh, years later, when my aunt's son was in the army in Vietnam and she'd do the same thing and she'd go there and she could see where he was, how he was fighting, all of this. And after he came home from the military and she told him this, you know, he says, ah, yeah, you're crazy, <laughs> that don't happen. And, but she started describing scenes from what had taken place and what she saw. And he was dumbfounded, he says, there is no way you could know unless you were there. He says the, the description of the battle, the description of the landscape, everything, you know. And because um, she'd write it down when she got came back from her travels, write it down in a notebook and yeah, and he read it, he couldn't believe it. You know, because he said, if you weren't there, you wouldn't know. And the last time she went astral traveling, she said she wanted to see I think she wanted to see heaven and she went out of her body and she says the stars just flew by her and she went past the stars where it was just black and she got so scared uh, she she wanted to get home and she was back home and she said she never went again she said that scared her so bad she didn't way past the stars she said she went <laughs> so she never did it after that so, the last question then, where is Mystery Minnesota to you? That's a trick, my <laughs> Well, Mystery Minnesota. <laughs> Who knows? Mystery. <laughs> I think everybody has a some spot they'd find, you know, a mystery. A Mystery Minnesota, everybody has a spot same spot but everyone has them that's what i think so <laughs> had to throw a curveball at him at the end there couldn't let my dad off that easy could i <laughs> anyways i want to again thank my dad so much for uh, taking a little bit of time to sit down and, and go through this with me i know he wasn't the most comfortable thinking about wanting to sit down on a microphone. I know it's not something that uh, comes naturally to him, but I could listen to the stories from the old days from him and my uncles and my family every day, all day. I mean, I just can't get enough of it. And really, that's what brings family together. Those are the memories that are worth sharing, that are worth saving, that are worth holding on to because when we're gone, they're gone. And so, even though I wrote this fictional story, this fictional series of Mystery Minnesota, 
that's why this series to me as an experiment you know partly because i just wanted to try this and i hope you guys have enjoyed it and i really do appreciate all of you that have, have stuck around and stayed along for the ride because this mystery minnesota series is deeply personal to me as you can hear because these stories are all based on different bits of, of story and folklore from all through my family over the generations. And this, even though I fictionalized and, and created these characters and, and turned these into a larger story, this is still a way where I can basically have documented proof, have, have documented this for my kids and possibly generations to come. And that's so important to me. And that's part of the the other part of the reason not just that I wanted to try writing something but because I wanted to do something to tell these stories in my way and of course I took a lot of liberties as you guys know the real stories as I said are very small and very short compared to what I created and, and the characters I made and the locations and all of that but I wanted to do something to find a way to express these family stories in some fashion and that's why it meant so much to me to be able to do this and, and why I'm so glad that you guys uh, stuck around and listened through it so I really do appreciate that now a couple other uh, shout outs I want to give um, those of you I'm not going to name everyone those of you that are supporting me through the buy me a coffee page I know I've got that big long intro stinger ad thing talking about buy me a coffee talking about where you can find ASC stories all of that don't worry I've got a new one changed up shortened it up tightened it up for the new version the new evolution the next step in the story the next chapter I guess is appropriate of where AIC stories is heading so you're not going to get stuck with that long one anymore but I do appreciate all of you that have jumped in as supporters and members there it means the world to me that your support is there and all of you that share the show and reach out with comments all of that again same thing your your support is greatly appreciated and lastly i want to give a huge shout out and thanks once again to my good friend adam from my co-host from the Listwise podcast and digital soup and just one of my best friends all around you know regardless anything going on uh, for providing me with the voice of Walter in this season anyways I've rambled on long enough I'm gonna go ahead and get out of here and I hope you guys have enjoyed this ride into Mystery Minnesota and I hope you're gonna enjoy and stick around for what's coming next because like I said I've got a lot of new plans a lot of things I want to get to and try and in some new directions I want to keep sharing stories I want to keep sharing some original stories but I'm gonna tell you this I have zero plans to jump into the world of trying to create another audio drama long-form piece of fiction like this multi-part series at least in this format maybe I'll write a book someday who knows <laughs> you never know I've learned not to say never but I do know that this experiment, while I greatly enjoyed it and have learned a ton, is one that I probably won't repeat in podcast form, at least in this feed. But I will be continuing to share some other original stories I've written. We'll be sharing more of the Faded Word style classic stories and just a whole bunch of stuff coming up. I'll have an announcement episode probably in a week or so. I might take a short break here as we're getting just out of the holidays and just starting the new year so uh, stay tuned that's all i'll say stay tuned 
and stick around. We're going to follow a lot more storytelling goodness and have a lot more storytelling fun. So until then, I hope you guys, again, have enjoyed Mystery Minnesota. The feed will always be there. You can listen to it anywhere you want, right on the website at AIC Stories. I have them all archived together in their own spot, so you can go there and listen to whatever you want. But anyways, I just want to say thank you again. It's been so much fun. It's been an honor that you guys have stuck around and, and followed me on this journey. And, you know, I guess I'll just I'll quit babbling now. But I do really, really sincerely, truly from the bottom of my heart, appreciate all of you that have, have followed on this journey and that continue to follow as we go into the next chapter. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week, and we'll see you soon. Mystery Minnesota is an Adventures in Creativity production written, produced, and performed by David Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AIC Stories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or, of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy. Let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures in Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash mysteryminnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota. <laughs>